Zone World. My guest this week is Ricky Ray. We had an awesome conversation talking about the new music he's doing, the music he's done in the past, and being a diehard hip-hop fan throughout time. Um, I thought it was really tight. I'm back from the Continental MCs tour. It was a great tour. I'm actually writing a little essay about it, which will hopefully be out, uh, I guess, hopefully by the time of this episode. So I won't go into it all now, but it was real tight. This episode is sponsored by The Lineup Room, a recording and mixing studio located in Baltimore, MD. Check out lineuproom.com to see how it's going down. So let's go in. I grew up in um, Cherry, the, the Cherry Hill community in Baltimore City. And th- did you grow up there like your entire life? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm there right now. When, when I leave here, I'm going back there and drinking yeah. Guinness. You don't have to reveal your age if you don't want to, but but I'm trying to think. I guess you were Growing up in the late in the, 70s, early yeah. 80s. It was rough. It was, um, when I say rough, I don't mean like a movie rough, like B Street, where, you know, my friends are getting electrocuted by by subway train car. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean like that rough. I yeah. mean, you know, rough like you, know, you would get picked on and bullied and have to fight for no reason. And people would, would steal stuff from you. And and you would have to, you know, and, 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 and I was a cat that always wanted to, like, dance. And, and you know, I wear my Kangles like LL and I was that cat. You know, this is yeah. 85-ish. Yeah. You know, be- before that, you know, I was I was like... Coming to my adolescence at 85. So before that, I was a complete child. So everything yeah. that happened was, you know, just every child's, children go through, you're going to get bullied, you're going to punch some people in the mouth, you're going to, yeah. I mean, this stuff happens. But once I started, adolescence is where people start to, you know, if, he, if he's going to be a big guy, a big bully guy, he starts to sprout up at 13, 14 years old where yeah. now he can really do it. And people yeah. have now got guns and crack is starting to come to the neighborhood. Yeah. So, so that was, um, that was how it was. Um, rough. But it, but but fun because you know we got we got Run DMC at the Charlie Hill Shopping Center. Yeah, you got to explain that. Like we had um, a a place called uh, Singers Men and Men and Boys Shop, which sounds like which sounds inappropriate. But it was actually it was actually a it was actually a goddamn a goddamn place that sold sneakers and and, and, and clothes and stuff, right? Singers Men and Boys Shop. Hey, that just don't really sound good. But you <laughs> know, <laughs> looking back. Anyway, but the owner somehow, through through his machinations, would would be able to finagle these dope shows. You know, where they had the, you know, the the constructed stage out of little wood parts that kind of stamped together with the little booths on the side, with the you know the things you would see at the little festivals back in the day. Yeah, the little the, the little shiny painted. I guess it probably was lead paint too. Wood stages or whatever yeah. with the Lord, and they would come up and be run DMC, and you might get some hot little R and B act or whatever, and you know eventually you know you had acts like uh, Matila Rock. That's insane. And um and uh, super super love to see Cash Nova Rudd, yeah. EPMD, and and like I was so I'm I'm coming to the shopping center, and you know of course now I'm up the shopping center, and I'm a hip hop kid, and I'm. I'm up there looking at this, but also have to keep my head in the swivel to make sure nobody just punches me for no reason. Yeah. Because it was that type of, I grew up in that type of hood. Yeah. The people just look at him over there. If, if, if they caught a girl looking at me, I was a little scrawny guy. Yeah. If they caught a girl looking at me, it's time to go on me and yeah. ride on me. And and so we would, or I'd be with a guy who was a bit of a snake, used to steal from people. So now I'm watching because people might attack him and then they're going to attack me. And so, but a lot of times it was good though. I yeah. didn't have to worry about like, cause when the hip hop was there, I don't really have any bad memories. But I do remember, for some reason, having to look, make sure, like, oh, I see this little click coming, so I got to slide to the other side. Yeah. To make sure that me and that little click don't interact without yeah. me being around my boys. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you know you can get kind of get caught out there, cause you know it was also I'm like looking at the little girls. This is a great cultural thing, man, cause it's it's hip hop, and the thing is, hip hop was hip hop was advertising itself appeal because you know you had these shows and the people there the older folks the young cats they wasn't really especially the girls especially the girls wasn't really in to hip-hop until like you said maybe 2000 maybe later 
Yeah. Like, girls yeah. didn't get into hip-hop until, like, the South started to take over. Yeah. And, and yeah. we started to have more sing-along rap. Once sing-along rap became prevalent, they can get into it. But, yeah. you know, back when you had, you know, I mean, they would do the Pee Wee Herman, Joe Ski Love. They would do that, too. Yeah. You know, when the dancers came out or whatever. And when Salt and Pepper came on, they would be like, because they felt like, oh, that was their, you know, they can yeah. relate to Salt and Pepper or whatever. Right. And when, when the show came on, Lottie Dottie, well, Lottie Dottie was a little bit, as we say, misogynistic. But when the show came on, you know, so the girls didn't really gravitate to Lottie Dottie because cussing and rap was brand new when Lottie Dottie came out. People weren't yeah. saying, what's your wrinkle pussy you can't be, people weren't saying that. Yeah, yeah. It was brand new. Totally. And um, I didn't see, I didn't see Slick Rick two years later, but um, I, it was my favorite guy the minute he came out. Um, Mantronics came to the uh, community building, which was, man, the community, Mantronics came to the community building. Yeah. That the community building in Cherry Hill is so deep in the hood, I couldn't go. Oh, I I couldn't yeah. risk going up there. Yeah. I wouldn't have made it out of there. Yeah, not from being from the side of Cherry Hill I'm from. I wouldn't have made it out of there. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just wouldn't have made it out of there. And I was a little bit too. I'm I'm, I'm a little bit too too much of a, you know. I mean, I was a little bit too known. I was I wouldn't have made it out. I mean, I, you know what I had to fight, and that was kind of when people started to have their little baby guns or whatever. Mm. So you know, and and we started to lose, start to lose kids. Yeah, you know, or some of us when we was little kids went away, and I ain't see him again, either ever, or until we thirty five years old, and yeah. I see him like, yo, I ain't seen you since you was, yo, you know, I caught thirty years, you caught thirty years back when you was eleven years old, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah, try hell. So that was that experience. Yeah, hip hop was a part of it because they would throw free shows for us. Yeah. In the shopping center. And um, I almost want to say that's how I got into it, but I was into it a little bit before that, though, because of the radio. Yeah, the, you have some memories of the radio, Baltimore hip-hop, that that I don't think many people remember. It was some Baltimore crews. Yeah. But, I mean, even just you were saying it was like, what yeah, the, was it, the, W-E-B-B? Yeah, and the We yeah. Rock. I, mean, I know you're talking about in general just the whole yeah. hip-hop movement, but we had the We Rock crew from Baltimore. Yeah. And, of course, the New Marks. And, 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 yeah. and, and I was, you know, I'm not one of those root for the hometown guys type of, right. type of right. kids. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. It's, it's fine to see them do their thing. Oh, or yeah. But, of course, it was, and, and me and my me and my best friend, Craig, we always talk about, you, you Craig was at the show. He was a little short, little light-skinned dude. He was at the show. You might have remember. He was at the show with me. Oh, okay. And um, but and we always talk about this, that, you know, even even when WWIN, WABB was playing hip-hop, that's what I call it, was playing hip-hop. Well, okay, I call it rap. Yeah. Because it was like a lot of MCs just kind of over these disco-like tracks or these funk tracks, seven, eight, ten-minute songs, kind of just going back and forth, no real structure to the song or whatever. It's kind of rapping. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Which is fine, which is good to listen to. I've listened to it for hours. Yeah. But it was antiquated even in 1984. It felt antiquated. Yeah. Like 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 Curtis Blow was antiquated to me. And when and when Run DMC dropped and it was like, oh yo, this is it, this is the new shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and we kind of, you know, I'm of a certain age where, you know, I'm starting to kick in the adolescence when that happened. So that was the new stuff. We jumped on that. Yeah. You know, we really jumped on that and ran with that, with the song structure. That's when the 16-bar so- song structure started to, even though Rockbox was kind of more of a, a run-on record. Right, right, But they right. kind of started to initiate that modern structure of songs you see or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, from that, from there. Um, and the show came out, and and um, the one hip-hop record that changed all hip-hop, hip-hop records for all time was Roxanne, Roxanne. Yeah. Because of the dope performances. Like, people didn't know rappers could be that dope. You know what I mean? Because running, running, running DMC were dope, but they were more like energy and shit. Yeah. But when you heard, like, Roxanne, Roxanne, you, like, you just was like, yo, these, these cats can rap. Yeah. The educated rapper smashed that verse. Yeah. He smashed that verse. I mean, and when you hear today on the radio, on those throwback mixes, yeah. you just be like, Oh, good God! I thought we, yo, it's <laughs> yeah. only customary to get this commentary. Yeah. This is eighty-five. He's just nailing it. You know what I mean? And he's, totally. he's nailing it. And, and, and hip hop kind of took off because that's what that record spawned twenty-five responses. Right. Not because of they mentioned some girl named Roxanne because it was phenomenally dope. Yeah. It was dope. And yeah, from there, totally. I think 
it, it took, and we all would be so excited. We go skating, and you know, they play the records, and we get all excited. And it was never like that. We didn't have that was our music. That yeah. was ours. Yeah. So you know, I go way back. You know, I remember Rapper's Delight, but I go yeah. way. But that was also the coke sniffing older g- generation. Right. Um, right. Um, um, the the tail end of the baby boomers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're X. Well, I'm X. I don't know if you. I'd be. Why, I guess? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know the exact age, but... I was born in 81. Ah, yeah. I think X is... I think you're still an X. I think you're still oh, okay. an X. Because you didn't turn... I th- you didn't turn to adulthood in the millennium, which makes will make you a millennial. Okay. If you, if you became an adult after the millennium. Yeah. You know, I think you'd be... I think you're right on the edge, though. Yeah, yeah. Right on the edge. Anyway. Anyway, with that being said, when hip-hop started to come into prominence... You know, when you had the Roxanne, Roxanne's, and uh, and all, of, like I said, all of the sponsors, the Roxanne Shantae, which kind of, and even though um, Marley Maul had that song with Dimples D before, mm-hmm. you know, he also, then he got a Roxanne Shantae, and from yeah. that movement, of course, came the, the Juice Crew and MC Shan, which is another record. The bridge was just like, oh, and it wasn't even really, it wasn't even really Shan, it was the beat. So then... Mm. Because, you know, they started to come out with these programmers strictly for hip-hop. I guess Roger Leem and all those guys started to make these little programmers for yeah. hip-hop. It wasn't like that before. It was like turntables and or you would, have, you would get a band, I guess, right? right to make you, it right. wasn't like, I mean, I guess the, the Yamaha keyboards, but they weren't really uh, uh, um, not outfitted. It was the, not retrofitted, but, but whatever word it is, they weren't like custom made yeah. for hip-hop. Totally. But you started to hear like when, um, you know, the SP-12 and all, even before that, what Mantronic used or whatever, I'll get the Mantronics in a second, but but uh, but what Marley Marl and those guys were using when he made the bridge and all those songs like that was just, you know, it sounded so crisp. Yeah. You know? And that was like the, the next step where, okay, you got your dope MCs, and we started to learn that not everybody's dope. And then, <laughs> and, yeah. and you got your beats. And he's like, yo, you know, hip-hop is starting to get its own sound. It's not yeah. like funk loops anymore right it's not right. like like horn arrangements anymore it's 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 it's, its own thing it's, yeah it's the it's the dr rhythm plus samples yeah became hip-hop sound yeah, yeah for like yeah. many many years and kind yeah. of actually it still is dr rhythm like yeah yeah you know what i mean to this day it became hip-hop sound yeah and like that was like the 85 86 corridor around those times where it started to really you know and then like cx and i Independently, different parts of the country. I guess he was in, uh, he was in uh, Wisconsin or whatever, yeah. in Baltimore. Uh, he was born in Detroit, but he, I think he was from when he was young was in Wisconsin. Yeah, and I'm in Baltimore, which is the corridor. Of, yeah, Baltimore, New York got stuff really early, but we got stuff like just whatever. Like when Philly got it, we got it too. Yeah, like this, you know, you, they made their money in in in, that, in our corridor, yeah. in DC or whatever. So we 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 had stuff pretty early, and when we got Mantronics. You know, I liked him a little bit at first, but when I heard Baseline and when I heard uh, um, Needle to the Groove and when I heard uh, Hardcore Hip Hop, Hardcore Hip Hop, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, just the, just, just the name of that song, I kind of fell in love with that group. Mm. You know, and that was probably my favorite group growing up. Oh, as far wow. As yeah, yeah, yeah. Hip Hop is concerned or whatever. So. What was it? What was it about them? Um. The arrangements. I can't really say the MCT was so dope, um, because I my first rap name, not my first rap name, my, my second rap name. My first rap name was ACE. My name is Eric. It was ACE, and then after that, after Mantronics came out, I renamed myself Rhyme Master E because MCT was was also uh, Crime Master T. So I made a name that was kind yeah. of alliterative with that or whatever. So my second rap name of many rap names I've had in my life. <laughs> of many, 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 many rap names. But first, I, mean, I first started writing raps at like nine, ten years old as ACE back when the, the WEBB era. I yeah. Write more raps or whatever. It'd be long or so. And, um, and I, I don't know. It was, I just really liked, um, I liked the group concept uh, of a DJ and a rapper. Yeah. Which was, you know, it was catchy. Like, it was a lot of groups like, from, from, from Boogie Down Productions. There were a lot of groups that were kind of outfitted like that. Um, I liked that. I liked the the beats, of course. Because Mantronic was, he was different, you know? 
especially that because he put out like two albums in 85. It was Mantronics the album and then Music Madness came out like right after that. Mm. And, when, and, when, and I remember going down to Music Liberated and buying the record. Yeah. And when I and when I bought the record and got it home, I was like, "Whoa, this is different." It's yeah. It's dope. It's ill. It's you could tell it was the future of, of of music. He was using sounds that nobody else was using. Yeah. Way ahead of his time. So I felt a little like like you know I had my little you know secret group that I that I liked and yeah you know that nobody else kind of was really getting into, but I wanted to support. Yeah, they just existed in a time when there wasn't a lot of money in it. So MCT yeah. left and went into the goddamn Air Force. But but it wasn't a it wasn't a lot of money in it back then. So yeah, you know if it was the money that's today, even though they got a um, it's probably all budget though. But they sound like a like a um a, a million dollar deal with um Capitol Records, I believe, for they was their third album, their third album, I believe, um in full effect. Oh, and yeah. then MCT left like right after, like a little bit yeah. after that. And I don't know, understand why he would do that, but and, and people have been trying to track him down, and he's, they say he's living in, that, in Georgia somewhere. Oh, really? They've never. Like, yeah, well, a lot of meet him. Like, yo, you know, he's like my favorite MC back in the day. He's yeah. probably all fat and just, you know what I mean? But yeah. you know, yo, he's my not my. He wasn't my favorite MC. My favorite MC was Slick Rick, unquestionably. Right. Unquestionably. Yeah. And my name is Eric, but I'm Rick because of Slick Rick. Yeah. Period. But I liked MCT a lot too. So. He was in your favorite group. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Slick Rick unquestionably was yeah. my favorite. And then he went to jail and his he messed his whole career up. It was Yeah. And that's what I'm like, hip hop is volatile and it's well, I guess music is like that because it's a it's it's a litany of talented artists in all music genres. Yeah. That have made good albums or good records, singles, and then have dis- disappeared. Yeah. And then when you find out why, you're like, <gasps> what? You know? <laughs> it's totally true. So I guess, you know, the first time we met, I'm thinking about when I had the um, the Marvel Comics poster yes, that my yes. roommate had. And it was like, CX was like, he was like, it was like when, when Rick comes over, he can name all like 400 dudes in, the, in Man, this poster. Basically, I can name all 400 did, of them. You, yeah, you did. We pointed to the, all the craziest dudes, and you were like, yeah, that's Beta Ray Bill. That's, that's <laughs> Was that something that was, you know, in effect for you since really early? Yes, the yes, yes. Yeah. Since, since the 70s, and it's part of the name, part of the reason that my name is alliterative. Oh, okay. Like a superhero. Like yeah. Peter Parker. Like yeah. Reed Richards. You yeah. Know? Like uh like a lot of the superheroes have like Clark Kent. Literally. Yeah. Like um uh um Wade Wilson. Which yeah. is which is Deadpool. Uh I picked the name Richard Raymond early. Like I, I had a, a I settled on a people name early when mm. nobody was doing that. Like I was Richard Raymond in like eighty seven. Mm. You know what I mean? I was Richard like I was I was I was A C E, then I was Ron Master E, then I was Richard Raymond for many, many years. And when I got to college and I met CX and I met the the guys from Zion I. Yeah. And Soup, you met Soup too, because Soup mm-hmm. performed with me. Yeah, yeah. When I met the guys from Zion I and we put together the group metaphor or well, the roots at first, I was Richard Raymond. They all had rap names and yeah. I was Richard Raymond. Which is weird, but nowadays everybody uses like well not everybody, but a lot of people yeah. use their like regular names. Which is like, if I came out now, I wouldn't get any credit for being on that 30 years <laughs> ago. But whatever, man. That's, that's just say la vie, right? Yeah. When you're doing things still, like, in, in you know, middle school, high school, mm-hmm. like, are you guys, are, are you, like, working with other people? Or are you putting out, are you aiming to put out, like, an album? Or, or is that not even on the... No, it wasn't even. I mean, back then, the thought process, for me at least... And I think in general, was you have to be discovered. Right. As opposed to, there wasn't this independent, even though people probably were doing it independently, there wasn't this independent mindset that started to take over maybe seven, six, seven years later. Yeah. Um, you know, in the mid-90s or whatever, you started to have, get this movement of people doing, doing things independently. Right, right. Because, right. because you had a whole battery of hip-hop records that were attacking the music industry as far as the selection process. Hey, these damn A and R's. There's so many records from Ice Cube. So many records that would just attack 
uh, from Wu Tang. Right. Tommy ain't my motherfucking boy. Right. You know, right. this, 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 attacking. And from and from there, people started to take take that to the next level and say, "I'm going to do my my stuff independently." Yeah, which is a beautiful thing. It happened kind of like almost right after our group kind of dismantled from college, whatever you know. Yeah, metaphor at what we became, and our deal from Tommy Boy fell apart. That people started put putting our records independently. Yeah. So. Okay, so in Cherry Hill, it's it's more like. There's not a, a sense of we got to get this record out or anything. It's more just like we're just writing rhymes. Yeah, but yeah. back then, yeah, yeah, back when I was a kid. Yeah. But, um, and then when I came back to Baltimore after that process, it was the independent mindset was there. Yeah. But also the street element was there. And, right. You know, I was more, I was, you know, you know am I going to sell crack? Am I going to put out records? I mean, and then when you would try, you also have this the saturation problem, which happens with everything. Because there came a time where you'll go places and it was like a million guys trying to make you spend ten dollars for his CD. Totally, yeah. You know, before this economics two model we have now, which is I'll I'll, I'll give you the CD for free, mixtapes. I'll give you stuff for free so that you can start to patronize my brand, and then I can I can create revenue streams from from that yeah. from the eyes. Yeah. But that really had it that took a while to develop later. Right, right, right. But you know, back then it was like, you know, I'm we, we go get money, you would hear you would crack over magazines, like Murder Dog or whatever, and then you would like I don't know if you ever heard of Murder Dog magazine. Oh yeah. That was I think looking back, I think that was the only cool rap yeah, magazine. Yeah, it was like a like like real, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people would talk about well, you know, we man, we sold fifty thousand out yeah. the trunk. Like, I could do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would you would start to do the numbers like Fifty thousand, ten dollars a rent. Wow! That's, right, right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, like what's that? Five hundred thousand dollars or whatever. You know what I mean? And I think people started lying in Murder Dog too. Of course, of course. <laughs> I think, guess, yeah. I remember they had a whole issue that was like all South Carolina. Mm-hmm. There was like sixty local, like South Carolina dudes. And it would be like, yeah, we sold 50,000 out the trunk. Then the next group's like, we sold 50. And it's like, there's not even that many people in South Exactly, Carolina exactly. Either. It's like, and it's not that much, not that many people who are going to, who are going to patronize your product yeah. like that. And that's why I, I just didn't really see how, how it worked in reality. And, um, and I do believe, and to this day, I really didn't want to think the worst that people are lying, but they probably were. Yeah, I think I think eventually, because I, I think at the, at the beginning it was real, like, like, I think like documenting like E forty and like mm-hmm. all these different regional people that really had shit going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was like real, and then mm-hmm. I feel like eventually people felt like they had to claim they yes. had these sales or something like that. Yes, especially in order to attract record companies who were giving out these insane production deals. Too. Yeah, yeah, right, totally. Yeah, give you. Uh, a million, a two million dollar budget, and if you you put all you and your friends out or whatever, right, right, right. You know, as if you can really handle that, and a lot of that died. But of course, uh, what's that called? Uh, uh, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but oh no, but um, what's that called? Uh, uh before BitTorrent, a file sharing program, the one, the first one, not Napster. Napster. Oh, okay, yeah. Napster changed the game forever. Yeah, the game is still changed. Yeah. People will still, who know how to do it, which is most people, you just Google it, most people will, will just steal your album. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, no, they, they'll, totally they'll just true. steal it. Or iTunes, you can just buy the song. Yeah, yeah. Totally. If you want to just do that. Or Pandora. Like, I don't even have to listen, buy your stuff. I'll just have my Pandora channel. And stream it, yeah. Yeah, and stream it, and then you, you'll get your residual little uh, mechanical royalties off the right. fact that we subscribe to this service. Or don't. I'll just get it for free and listen to the commercials. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's a superior business model, which represents flooding the. You know, when the market becomes saturated, people should have. People are gonna wrestle back the right to choose what they want to listen to, as opposed to you just kind of giving me and telling me I gotta buy all of this crap. I don't want to yeah. buy. I just want to buy anything. Yeah. If it's all of this inferior, because you get a lot of inferior, and I don't really want to diss rappers at all and I'm I'm not but you get all this inferior product right. too you get a oh, lot of absolutely. people like you say from South Carolina and from 
They're from Denver. We were talking about Denver earlier. <laughs> or from St. Louis or whatever. Um, who just are just like drug dealer turned drug dealers who went to the studio. They got a guy who does beats. They gave him a couple dollars and they go in there with no, no, n- no idea how to make song structures, how to, no real vocal talent, but just kind of like just rapping. Yeah. Just kind of sing along, doing what they hear other folks do, but right. to a lesser degree, and putting it out. And actually, some rappers became famous like that. Like right, Master right. P became famous yeah. like that. Yeah. Totally. Not really the most talented guy in the world, but you know, kind of had his little thing. And, yeah. You know, and you get one of him, how many more people on that talent level are out there as opposed to people out there on Buster Rhymes' talent level? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know no, I mean? totally. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, there's one Buster Rhymes, it's probably maybe five for real guys, you know, Cardinal Official and guys who can really just spit it, spit it, spit it, spit it, spit it. Right, right. Like that, you know what I mean? I'm talking about that specific type of rapper. Right, right. And how many Master P's and, and Birdman's are there? Yeah, yeah. So, to back up a little bit, mm-hmm. so you went to Morehouse. Mm-hmm. That's like a pretty prestigious uh, zone. Right? Allegedly, it's, it's, it's a black college. Yeah. Historically black college um, in Atlanta. Has some history to it. It yeah. cranked out some um, some pretty important heavyweights um, like uh, um, Martin Luther King. Like that, you know, yeah. Spike Lee went there. Yeah. Um, Guru went there from Gangsta. Actually, oh, just, just to connect it back to hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Guru, rest in peace, Guru. He he went there. Um, you know, and then some luminaries here and there. And actually, I I find out later that a bunch of guys almost all, all the time. I find out guys in different industries, uh, uh, actors, whatever, went there, and yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Saul Williams went there with us. That's right. Yeah, Saul went there with us. I just I saw Saul maybe last year. Yeah, and, and it seemed like you guys kind of had like a little collective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What 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 was that about? Just a collective of um. I guess we modeled ourselves after the collectives at of the time, like Native Tongue. Yeah. Um, specifically, and um, with um designs for grandeur. It never quite worked out, but um, some of us became more successful than others, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people who were tertiary to the to that movement, because that was kind of an early movement in Atlanta. Nobody was really doing anything like that. Right. You know, you had, uh, of course, you had um, uh, Arrested Development. Oh, okay, okay. And, um, oh, yeah, they were, yeah, they were Georgia dudes. Mm-hmm. They were, well, they weren't, I don't know if they were from there, yeah. but the collective of them, where they assembled and, yeah. and, and did their thing in Georgia. And, um... After that, you know, of course, Lord John, he's a, he's a DJ for us here and there. That's right, that's right. He um he blew all the way up. Yeah. And uh um It's it's interesting to me that he kinda I remember reading an interview once that you know, it's kinda seemed like he was a similar guy to, to like C X mm-hmm. in that it's like like punk was always an influence and like mm-hmm. Yep, hard rock, and you know, even though it, you might not make that connection, yeah, because of his, um, because of what he went into, yeah, yeah. But um, he's still making music today that's that's, that's popular, yeah, you know, yeah. Turn yeah. radio on that that turn turn down for what is on the radio, yeah, yeah. And he's he's on it, yeah. So um, he's been doing his thing for a while, and I'm very very um proud of what he's been doing. Um, uh, of course, Dallas Austin, who kind of helped us, gave us studio time and stuff like that. You know, he wrote for TLC and produced for TLC and and various other groups. Oh yeah. Uh, and um and that was fun. You know, the journey because from what I see of when you get there and the stresses of trying to maintain that and the horror of when you fall all the way off is it's probably bad, but the 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 hope, like the the days of us vibing, passing around blunts, vibing out, hoping, putting our plans together, you know, that's to me what hip hop's all about. You know, this yeah. that excitement right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, that's what hip hop is all about. That's why hip hop is young, because 
hip hop is always kind of going to be a, a a skewing younger off form because it's about hope and as, as less than it's, it's like we're not we don't have any Bruce Springsteen's or really get on stage and when they get on stage they're so mature and you know, they're gonna sing about uh you know, we don't have any U twos you know who, right. who are gonna get on stage and even because even Tribe Called Quest and them are talking you know, they're talking reckless stuff on stage yeah they're not really talking stuff with a lot of gravity you know right. talking about you know like it isn't. Self Destruction, which was a great record, but that was like an anomaly. Right. Like right. even you know, even I mean, there's only one Public Enemy does it, and everybody else is kind of, you know. Yeah. Just making songs about stunts, blunt, and hip hop. Right. Right. Um, right. so we don't really have that type of that type of thing in hip hop. It's just really a, you know, let's have fun. Yeah. Celebrate the yeah. culture. Let's have fun. And now, of course, let's get this money, which is ah, uh, fine. But, you know, I mean, it's fine. I mean, but, I mean, you know, it's got to be, it's more than life than money. We all know that. Yeah, of course. You know, it's more than life than money. Than, I mean, we all know that. I mean, you wouldn't know that from hearing music because every song now is about getting money. Bro. Yeah. And it's been like that for a while, though. Right, right. Because we're back. That's, let me take it all the way back. When I would listen to WEBB and WWIN, they would talk about the cars they drove. How much more? It would be lying, of course. But the cars they drove, the money they had, the money they wanted, you know what I mean? Like, Run would be like, I, you know, I, I got a big, some cat that kind of like a DeVille, something written on the side, say, dressed to kill, so we didn't see me saying, girl. I mean, he's just talking about Cadillacs and, yeah. and, and you know, because first come, first serve basis, cool or not, girl, take it to the deaf places. And he's just talking about, you know, this hip hop has been right there. Right, right. Talking right. about what you want and everything like that. It's funny that when hip hop artists got that stuff, what they did with it, which is nothing, they kept talking about. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I like this. I, I, I like that '80s uh, um, approach to music because it's one. That's when I came up. Yeah. And B, it was innocent and it was less gravity to it. Yeah. You know, because hip hop, like those albums I told you, that was classic. The Illmatics, the the Mob Deeps. I mean, you know. How many people got killed on those albums? Like, if you take those albums apart, deconstruct them, and realize how many times they talked about they killed somebody? Right. <laughs> like the body times. count is crazy on those albums. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, not the not the Tribe albums. Right. It's like Holly Zero. Right. Because they don't really talk about that stuff. But but the albums, I was the Wu-Tang album, the end of the Wu-Tang album, yeah. even, even, even if they're joking, talking about with swords and stuff, they still talk about killing people. Right, right, like, Hip-hop right. became... And it's it's all because of uh, Ice T and NWA, of course. They they took hip hop to a place that it it, it remained it remains to this day. Yeah, a violent. Um, it took it and it, and also made it so the street guys who thought that we hip hop guys were a little weird. Yeah, you know the, the kids I came up with who were selling drugs for real. Yeah, and were shooting people for real. And I'm a hip hop kid, right? You know, what I mean? and I had an R and B. I was also an R and B kid too. Yeah. You know, it it depends on the, the day of the week. Yeah. Some days I feel like hip hop. Some days I feel more R and B, which is fine. Like, like new edition and stuff like that. You know, just, yeah. You know, I was a, I was a kid, and but there was some kids that was selling crack at when we were 15 years old, stuff like that. But they wasn't really into. They would go to the skate rink and they would they would know some of the songs, but they wasn't really into it into it. Right. Until hip hop started to become violent. And talk about the things they was doing. Right, right, right. People right, started right. to describe their lifestyle, and they're like, ah, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. And they would be like, "Yo, you heard that Coogee rap?" And I'm like, "Yeah, oh, I haven't really got that yet." Because they were, they were in, they were getting into this, the guys who talked about their street life that I didn't even, I didn't even understand it yet. Yeah, I didn't grow up selling crack, so right. I didn't, you know, when I was a child, you know, what right. Mean? I was exposed to it when I got back to Baltimore from college, but which is a tragedy in and of itself. But I, but coming up, I didn't know. But a lot of the rappers that was, it was, it was a few of them that were talking that stuff, started to kind of change the, the whole way hip hop was perceived. Yeah, you know. And the girls still wasn't on board. It took a long time for the girls to get on board. They were still listening to R and B groups or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, but the but the street guys started to get into it, and it, hip hop never really recovered from that. Mm. It 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 it. it it killed the native tongue movement. It killed it. It killed the self-destruction, um, you know, let's all get along movement. 
it killed a, a um, 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 public enemy. Like all of that stuff died out and it was replaced by New York rappers and West Coast rappers and competing to see who was who was the best killer. Right. Like uh, right. like goddamn Chronicles of Riddick or something. You know what I mean? Like, so you were at, you were at Morehouse with all these dudes and you guys had a group that and it seemed like it was like gonna go off mm-hmm. with Tommy Boy and mm-hmm. like it just kind of like fizzled out or something like that. Yeah. Um. I was told some things about some things my manager did, our manager did, that was kind of shady. Mm. Um, years later, I talked to another guy who was partners with him, who told me some things that were kind of shady that he did with, with, with our budget. Okay. Because um, I guess he wanted to recoup money that he, he had invested earlier. Mm. He just took it out the budget. Or whatever, like the album budget or something. It was like a like a we had like a um, not a single but like an EP. But we had it was about about fifty sixty grand or whatever. Yeah, and they ate that money up, and um, and then when um we went to the label, and it was time for this. I'm putting together what I was told from what I experienced. Yeah, we, yeah. we went to New York to go to the label to present our album. It was like it's cool, you know. what I'm saying we need a couple more singles because it's Tommy Boy Records, and they want you. They they want a me myself and I type of deal. I saw a record. They want a record that they can put in the radio. Yeah, it's a Tommy Boy. They put out, yeah. uh, you know, uh, um, um, Africa Bambada. Yeah. you know, they they want a, they want a single, which is huge whatever. singles. Yeah, whatever. So we was like, okay, let's go back and do it. But unbeknownst to us, according to what I was told, they had blew the money. Oh. And they old studios all across the fucking city. Oh, so now like we can like you know so they so he kind of like just put us off, put us off, started doing other stuff, and that's thing you know we all we fell apart. Cause, oh okay. Because we didn't have enough money to sustain ourselves down there outside of doing rap. Yeah, yeah. You know, home was calling me, it was calling Soup. Yeah. The other two guys ended up going to Cali and starting Zion. You know that's I mean? right. That's right. Yeah. And um, and, you know, home was calling all of us. It was it was there for the music. You know what I mean? So, um, and this is like moments before people started packaging themselves and selling it themselves, which right. is maybe if it would have happened maybe a year later, two years later, we probably would have been like, all right, fuck all y'all, we're going to, we're going to start selling us, selling us ourselves. Yeah. Because we had a fan base and everything. Yeah. So everybody kind of went home mm-hmm. and like, and what was that like going like back to Cherry Hill? And oh God, it was, it was defeated. I still to this day feel defeated. Mm. Feel defeated. You're like, you were like that close and you were rubbing elbows with with stars, people who would become megastars. Right, right. Who were megastars. Yeah. Like we, we we recorded next door to TLC a lot of our demo projects. That's crazy. Man, with seeing, I was so in love with her, Left Eye, whatever. She was such a pretty girl. And, um, but you know, I never really, you know, talked to her or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was hoping that, like, yo, this record come out, we're going to blow up. Like, <laughs> yeah. get that pussy. <laughs> but uh, but nah, you know, it didn't work out like that. But um, just the regret of all of that, and not being able to um, to to have that stepping stone, because I always really just wanted to be a stepping stone to other things I wanted to do. I feel like if I had that platform, became known like that, then when I when I picked other genres to get into, not even not even of music, but of of this in life. Yeah, creativity. Yeah or, yeah, or even if I wanted to become a writer for magazines, you know, because of course magazines are dead now, but right, there's things right. like that. Like, I, w- I would have that, I would have, I would be able to make some relationships. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, I, we, you know, we, it, we would cut short. We recorded in a studio. There's one studio. We recorded in Doppler Studios. So Studio A is, is The Roots. That's us. That's what we came out of for. We, we were The Roots. Right. Studio B, TLC. Studio C is a group called Girls Time, whose members will become Destiny's Child. Oh, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we like, we like, you know, because my man, um, Julian, ended up uh, managing Destiny's Child and Beyonce, yeah. and then Julian went to school with us or whatever. So, and I like, I still know if I still see cats. I mean, I'm a lot. I look different. Than I used to look. I used to be a real skinny cat. I'm, I'm not as skinny anymore, but like. I, I know, like, if I see Lil John, like, oh, world, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I still know these cats. Yeah. And not really having, like, I always just wanted to have, like, a one summer 
what may be a single that maybe one day, you know what I'm saying? So you can kind of like, you know, just to see what it's like. Like at this age, I don't really want that life. Right. Of being a, a, a pressured recording artist that has to d- set his, his mark and enforce it and nobody better not talk about me, I'll shoot him. And oh, I don't want to, <laughs> right. I don't want to be in that goddamn. But I also don't want to not do that and then people start to try to dish, take shots at you because I'll zap out if somebody takes shots at me. So I, just, I would want to get in and get out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Before yeah. all of the before all the madness could happen. With yeah, them. but um, but you can't have it really both ways, you know. But I guess yeah, like the things that you've done that have really been the most heard probably have been being on these crack attack albums mm-hmm. so yes. far, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah, got fans in um in Australia. They looked me up on Facebook. Aren't you Ricky Ray that was on this song? Yeah. Send me the link. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, I've never had anybody. Yeah. It's funny, but um, you know maybe, maybe soon. I mean, but yeah, you know, no, I, I mean, check this out. Like, after I first met you, I called up my friend Grunge, who you you might have met at um, because he came to your guys' show in New York. Oh, the big and, guy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm really feeling this track. Like, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Talking about the like single off that crack attack. He's like, yeah, I'm feeling it too. And he's like, he went to get his album mastered. And the mastering dude was like, oh, you're going to that CX show? Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like one of my favorite MCs. <laughs> like, is like rhymes with him. This dude, Ricky Ray. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's definitely like, it might not be like, this is it. It's but all it's like, love. It's all yeah. love. It's all love. Like, I'm, I have a certain type of personality that I couldn't handle it being crazy. Like, right, you know, like you know, being like a really a megastar, I couldn't, I couldn't have yeah. handled that. My, my sister said I would be dead, I would be Tupac because I would have exploded. I would have went off the deep end. I would have somebody would have said something about me. I would have tried to shoot. Like I, I would have the Cherry Hill kid that got bullied would have unleashed all of that stuff that I had to resolve during my real life. That would have I would have had to do that in public. Yeah, taking it up to present day. Mm-hmm. Um. I got to hear a little bit of this. Uh, it was almost probably a year ago, but or no, it was more than a year ago. Yeah. Um, you got this Doc and Desperado album mm-hmm. coming, coming up. So, do you want to break that down a little bit? Well, CX and me, we were roommates in um two different apartments or whatever, and um we kind of clicked because he was surprised that I didn't have any money, but I was never late on my rent. So. <laughs> And I um, mean, he didn't. He didn't. I'm not gonna reveal how I was how I was generating money, but you know, it was all above board. I was I would either work or have my little things I was doing or whatever. But it was yeah. you know, just regular stuff. Um, so we became kind of tight because he had roommates before that was you know stiffing for the rent, you know, because of his upbringing or whatever. They felt like he had it, but I I, was, I respected him, so we kind of bonded. And then we would sit around and we would make little. You know, make little demos or whatever. You know, yeah. not even demos. Not even demos. Just almost silly. Like I would, ha- I, I, basically, I would, I would, I would have a whole bunch of rhymes in my rhyme book that I wasn't gonna use. Yeah. And he's ha- he was he would just have his Casio SK one up thing, mm. the little sampling keyboard that was yeah. about this big. He would just make a little beat. I would just go through my rhyme book or whatever since I was out freestyle. Yeah, and then we started to realize that it was really fun. So it was rooted in fun. Yeah, it was really fun. So, so it was like, and I'm the king of names. So, and I was the Doctor Richard Raymond. That's, that's been my name forever. Yeah, and I was like, okay, the Doc and the Desperado. And then we said it, it was like, ah, we smoking weed, and it just stuck. Yeah, and then we would invite our friends over, like Soup, and 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 they would kind of join in on our little sessions or whatever. Soup early, you know, he would come over. Soup had the weed back then. He would bring the weed over. Yeah. So Soup would come over, and um, it'd be us and our girl, all of our girlfriends or whatever, was sitting around making music, and that's how I started. This is in the '90s, so we kept in touch though. Me yeah. and CX, even though I came back to Baltimore, I was still visiting him in Atlanta. I was visiting him in New York. Yeah, you know what I mean, whatever. Especially in New York, cause it's not that far. Right, right. And um, and we just kept at it, and um, and as CX was doing his projects, which I would, I would come up to. 
to be on like his Crack Attack albums or whatever. Yeah. Help him kind of get him off the ground conceptually, like as far as, um, because I was with him when the whole Crack Attack idea happened. When yeah. I was with him, I was with him that day when he saw Jody Wally. I was with him yeah. backstage. You know what I'm saying? And um, and then when it's time to get the music, you know, I kind of gotta like, you know, I go up and we'll talk about old old school hip hop like we're doing now. Yeah. But it's didn't rap and talk and culture and you know what I mean it's kind of get each other motivated. Well, I would kind of get him motivated or whatever toward doing that. And I've done that for his two projects. And around the time of the second project, which is um, the Crack Attack 2, the Ballad of Ellie Skiff. Yeah. We started recording songs um, for this Dog and Esperado project, maybe 2010. And uh, probably about six songs, six, seven, eight songs or whatever. Yeah. And it's been a while because he was in Atari Teenage Riot, you know, CX or right, whatever, right, doing right. his thing. But now... And then, and then I kind of told him, "Hey, man, I'm just, I'm just not really feeling the direction. I think we're gonna go in if we keep doing stuff like if you keep giving me beats from the '90s. It's, I, I just don't really want to do that anymore. You know what I mean? I just don't. You know? You mean '90s sounding beats? Or yes. Beats? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yes. '90s sounding beats or yeah. beats he had from the '90s that he just never used. Right. 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 Right." Um, that he would bring up. That would sound dope in the 90s context. Yeah. And might still sound dope when I hear him, but I don't... I want to do modern sound and stuff. Yeah. I just want to because it's fun to me to make records like 2 Chains and them. I just... Not even like I... Not even like I was really listening to that stuff. And then as I... When I said that to him, this was like last summer when we were doing our shows. Yeah. I said that to him. I started to... Um, when I went to the gym... So I had to put a little bit more of that stuff in my Pandora. And I was like, you know what? These kids, you know, they get a bad rap. You know, they, they may not be lyrically superior. Right. You know, Drake is. Lil Wayne is. Drake is dope. But, they, but they're not, like, lyrically superior like, you know, like a lot of these MCs thought they were back in the day. When it's only four, four of them were, and everybody else thought they was great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nas, Nas and Jay-Z and Biggie and Pac, they were good. And everybody else was, and Jay-Z and everybody else was you know, now you got less of them, but still, you know, it's, it's not like people, people have these rose-colored glasses, they look at history, like everybody was right. phenomenal rappers back then. People just bit each other's style and recycled concepts and everything like that back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. But nowadays they hear the music and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. Right. Even though they still talk about killing people and stuff, because of that NWA stain that happened that persisted to this day. Yeah. It's it's fun. These kids, they're talking about just getting high and, you know, having sex with girls and just stunts months in hip-hop again. Yeah. It's, uh, in the 90s, we had records that were, that were uh, these records were about killing people only. You know? Yeah. The 90s was littered with records that were about, and it was about one, this other thing that I'm glad is gone that I don't hear anymore. Even though people say they're trapping, they just kind of talk about it. But people were giving us illustrations of how they... Bought drugs, chopped the drugs up. You know, Young Jeezy still does it. Yeah. Bought, I bought drugs. I, I bought drugs for this price, sold it for this price. I cut it up. I made this profit. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. It's I don't want I don't want drug dealer instruction music anymore, man. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know these kids aren't using samples anymore because you know sampling became too ex- expensive. Right. Whatever. And um, I like it. it it's it's uh. It's fun. It sounds fun to do. Yeah. It sounds fun. It doesn't really. It doesn't really sound as you know like, um, especially how long have I been writing raps? I've been writing raps since the, since the early eighties. Maybe I was ten yeah. years old in eighty three. Tell you my age. I was ten years old in eighty three. So I've been writing raps since then. Um, yeah. Ace. I'm writing raps since then. So that was thirty years ago. Yeah. So thirty one years later, I want to do something different. I mean. After a certain amount of time of writing raps a certain way and building on that style and building on that style, you kind of, after a certain point, you know, I'm, I'm done. I, I retired from that type of rap. Mm. You know, even CX the other day was like, yo, I want you to make some, you know, get these beats and make demos in the basement. I'm, like, I'm done with all. I'm not cracking up my computer. I'm not recording. I'm not, I'm done with all of that stuff. I'm just, I'm available to vibe with you and we'll come up with these really organic records. Mm. And they'll be good. People will like them. Trust me. Yeah. Because I'm I'm liberating myself from the 
from the constraints of the way I used to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do music. Yeah. You know, which was very laborious. Suddenly become very laborious. Oh, I gotta write this verse out. Oh, I gotta rehearse it. Oh, I gotta I don't wanna do that anymore. Mm. You know, I don't really because it doesn't really sound like it's not what I hear kids are doing. And and then it's not even like I even want because when I hear other rappers, when I hear the locks, I'm like, okay, they can rap, but I don't I don't like it anymore. Yeah. I don't like it anymore. Besides the fact they're talking about killing me and selling me drugs, I don't I don't I don't like it anymore, you know? Yeah. Is but is it possible like a lot of the stuff you've been working on over the years that it's good, but yes. you, but yeah, but you don't you, you you just at the moment you don't feel like well, it's more than at the moment. It's, it's it. This is a cumulative effect of years of doing stuff. Yeah, but um, those songs we we have enough new material coming that it'll be a a nice blend of the new and the old. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't do all new because I'm not. A, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm an older artist. Yeah. So it's expected of me to to represent a certain way, represent my to comport myself a certain way yeah. hip hop wise. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, totally. And also to demonstrate my legacy right through and i feel like now i can if, from old to the new and if i do it organically it won't sound contrived yeah See, if i sit and write these verses out and try to come up with these fancy hooks it'll sound contrived right right, right. like he's trying to be no 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 no. just let me let me show you my experience level just turn the mic on i got some concepts in my head i'll jot some things down i'll pull up my phone and type some things in and pull up the phone and look at it and 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 it'll it'll come out I hate using the word repeatedly, but organically. Yeah. And it'll all blend into what we've been doing before. Yeah. And it'll all be one project or whatever. Um, and that's the way, um, that's what I'm going to be working on. Come Monday when I sneak out of town and, and um, I'll be back. And I'm sent Tuesday because yeah. I got to go to work Wednesday. And um, continue to be on Facebook. You know, Ricky Ray, the career bachelor. And Simon yes. St. Peter. On Twitter. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. I guess that that about does it. Th- mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on, man, especially mm-hmm. at the last minute like this. Right, right, right. <laughs> hey, but thanks for having me, man. It's always it's always a pleasure, man. Um, saying you maybe maybe one of these shows we can link up. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much to Ricky Ray for getting on and doing this, and we'll see you next week.